Welcome to People's Church radio program. If you find this broadcast to be helpful, please let us know. You can call us at 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com. We're going to talk about your emotional health today. We talked about mental health last week. It's emotional health this week, relational health the following week. Just to start off with, what do you think makes people more successful, their IQ or their EQ? It's EQ, hands down, without a doubt. The EQ is the the thing that releases people to become more of what they are. There are more people with high IQs on a uh, can we say the rubbish heap of, of uh, life than there are uh, the EQ. The EQ is where you can actually engage and process life. And life doesn't overcome to such a degree that your function is gone or that you're not able to respond. EQ is everything. The ability to process emotions, the ability to engage with them and to actually live within your own emotion. that it, it rounds out reality. And this is where we want to go today. We want to talk about dealing kind of with how you feel. It's not an easy thing because there's a lot of tests in life. But the life is about the heart. Mark 12, 29 through 30, Jesus said this. The most important commandment is this. You must love the Lord your God. And then you could underline this part with all your heart. That's your emotions. That's your passion. With all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. You got to hear the emotion in those words of Jesus. He's saying, I want you to love God passionately with all of your heart. I don't want you just to kind of love me, just kind of love God. And for you to actually carry out the greatest commandment, you have to be able to process the emotions of life. He finishes off the greatest commandment with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. God wants an emotional relationship with you. He doesn't want a relationship devoid of your emotions. In fact, it's very important that your emotions be a part of any relationship, but especially in this one. So let's understand our emotions. Let's just understand a few things about emotions. Let me give you a few facts about your emotions before we get into it. First off, let's just start with God. God has emotions. One of the great and the shortest, by the way, the shortest verse in all of the Bible is just two words. You know what? You know what? Jesus wept, right? Jesus wept. It's an amazingly powerful verse. In fact, if you added one more word to it, it, you wouldn't want to do that because it would really change the context. Just Jesus wept. God in the flesh. Almighty God, creator of everything, wept. There was different times that Jesus wept. He wept over Jerusalem when he looked upon it and they wouldn't turn to God. In this case, he wept at the tomb of Lazarus. A lot of them thought it was just about losing a a friend, but it really wasn't. 
It was much more layered than that. He wept because he's again confronted with what sin does. It brings death. It brings, it brings death to relationships, death physically. It brings all of the wrong things into life. And he wept because of Satan's stronghold over that room. And he wept because he saw and understood the pain. And he was also wept because he was frustrated that they still hadn't quite grabbed who he was. So what does he do next? He raises Lazarus from the dead a week before his crucifixion. Jesus wept. Tells you that you serve a God of emotion. God feels joy. He feels grief. He feels pain. He feels hatred towards sin. He has frustration with people around him just like you do. God has emotions. The only reason you have emotions is because you're made in God's image, in fact. If God wasn't an emotional God, you wouldn't have any emotions. The second thing you want to figure out about emotions is that my ability to feel like is a gift from God. This is a gift that you have. Now, I know there are days that your emotions certainly don't feel like a gift. There are days when the ache and the pain can go really deep. But these are gifts from God. Even the negative ones have a role in your life. They're a great asset. They're the only thing, they're the one thing that really makes you human. If you didn't have emotions, you'd just be functioning like a droid. I mean, that's what you would be doing. It is your emotional ability that allows you to love and create, to be faithful and loyal and kind and generous, and all of the emotions that are attached to the good things in life. And of course, there's the other side of that coin too, isn't there? One of the most uh, astounding verses in the Bible is found in Genesis 1.26. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness as we've said the only reason you have emotions is because God gave them to you and you were made in his image so the fact that you are experiencing all of these emotions tells you that that is found within the image of God three there are two extremes that you must that you must avoid emotionalism is the first one it means all that matters is how I feel. Then you're only going to have as good a value as how you feel, how you make me feel. It's in extreme. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what's right or wrong. It doesn't matter what's popular or unpopular, good or bad. What only matters is what you feel. If it feels good, do it. And that extreme of emotionalism means everything I do in life is based on my emotions. They control my life. They dominate my life. They run my life. The other extreme is stoicism. It's where feelings aren't important at all. In fact, the whole goal of life is to dismiss feelings. 
Stoicism is this exact opposite. It basically says feelings are not important. Feelings are not important at all. The only thing that matters is your intellect and your will, your volition and your intelligence. So the Stoics say emotions are not a part of life. Feelings really don't matter. Now, it's kind of funny, but in real life, here's what tends to happen. Stoics often marry emotional people. It's kind of fun. You can just sit back and watch the fireworks. <laughs> emotional people often marry the Stoics. And typically, often in a marriage, you have one who's a stuffer and one who's just the gusher. <laughs> Do you recognize it? Stuffers and gushers. They marry. Stuffers always get frustrated with gushers because they think they're too emotional. And gushers always get mad at stuffers because they think they're too uptight, that they're closed down, shut down. Stuffers think you really shouldn't be sharing your emotions. And gushers think if you're not sharing your emotions, you're not being authentic. When these two things come together, it creates very difficult waters to navigate in relationships. But they're both extreme positions. The happy medium is where you want to aim at. It's not emotionalism or stoicism. See, it's something more that can encompass both realities into one integrated way of doing life. I need both to do life. I need both to do marriage. I need both to do parenting. I need both to do anything in life. They've got to come together. These two extremes, they're even found within Christian denominations. Built on these two approaches, there are whole denominations based on stoicism where the only thing that matters is, is simply it's the truth of the word of God not how you feel and then there are denominations wrapped around an emotional experience that I really am not experiencing worship until I have some kind of crescendo of emotion both of those are devoid of a total or a complete reality our faith encompasses both. It encompasses both. The biblical word for emotions is heart or passions or affections. Wherever you see that written in the Bible, that's talking about emotions. Now that means that you and I can read and see how many times it's talking about this heart. Jesus himself. Love him with all your heart. There's two different circuit systems in your brain now. They actually know this through studies. You have an emotional, it's an amazing system within the brain. And uh, some things you're just going to react emotionally without even thinking about it. How many times have you done that? You just kind of react and you're already in the action before your brain actually catching up that you took that action. You're having an emotional, emotionally directed experience. The idea here 
is that you and I need to avoid those two extremes. Next thing to recognize about God is that God gave us a whole book to show us how to process emotions and how to honor intellect. It's the entire book of Psalms, 150 of them. And in there, you're gonna find Psalms coming from different angles and they're dealing with every emotion in life. There's not one emotion that there isn't Psalm for. You cannot find an emotion on this planet that somehow is not gonna be represented within that and how the writer was processing this. The whole book. So when we read the Psalms, that's why it can be very emotional. And many of your most favorite passages during tough times go to that book. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. God wants us to experience the full package of emotions. If you can process emotions in healthy ways, if you can have the ability to manage your actual emotion, if you can learn EQ and get one that really works, that EQ is going to do you more good than anything else that you could actually add to your life. So why must I just learn to manage my emotions? What is it about my emotions that makes it so incredibly important that I learn how to manage? Because number one, my feelings are unreliable. Your feelings are unreliable. We talked about last week your mental health and said not every thought you have from within is correct it's the same thing with emotions you've got to actually be able to know that many of those will be unreliable (coughs) some of the things you feel about yourself are just flat out dead wrong they're just wrong because not everything you feel is right It's not all authentic because you feel it. Some of the things you feel about other people are dead wrong. You say, I'm sure this is the right decision, but then it ends up, but it's not. Your feelings are often unreliable. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that seems, that's the big word, it seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. So our emotions are not infallible. Just because you feel it doesn't make it true. Our feelings are often wrong and they often guide us in the wrong direction. Secondly, I don't want to be manipulated because I just don't want to be manipulated. If you don't control your emotions, they will control you and you will be manipulated by your moods. If you're always guided by your feelings rather than by what's right, by your commitments or by truth. If you're always guided by feelings, other people are going to take advantage of you. In fact, there's whole industries designed on doing this. 
Every marketing tool is designed to touch your emotion first. Have you ever noticed that most advertising does not lay out five facts why you should buy our product? Have you noticed that? But what they will lay out is, here's five ways it's going to make you feel better. You'll look better, feel better. Every marketing tool is based on stirring up your emotions. Because once they know they've got that, they've moved you into an emotional buy where emotions are leading the choice. It's just simply called impulse buying. Anybody ever do that? We have a few honest people here. <clears throat> impulse buying is just simply where the, the, the leading hook of your emotions took you into a decision that later, when you really would have thought it through, maybe the timing isn't right, maybe the object wasn't right, whatever it was, you'll see, oh, I could have done better there. That's emotions. Emotions are fantastic to get a hold of if you wish to manipulate. And if you make these kind of decisions and you continue to make them, you're going to bring a lot of destructive forces into your relationships. You're going to bring a lot of destructive forces into your finances. You're going to put stress into your mind, your mental health. And largely because you have not learned to manage your emotions. Your EQ needs to be updated, upgraded. It needs, it needs some education. Proverbs 25, 28 says, like an open city with no defenses is the man with no check on his feelings. Great way to put that verse. You have no check on your feelings. You have no governor. There's no moderator. You have no manager on your feelings. He says you're like a city with no defenses. It's wide open. In another translation, it says it this way. A person without self-control is as defenseless as a city with broken down walls. Not only are they defenseless against the manipulation of other people, but you are defenseless against the manipulation of your own nature. We kind of talked about that last week a bit. This is where emotions can go wrong. Worst of all, it's Satan's favorite tool in your life is negative emotions. It's his favorite tool. He will, he will use fear to bring the whip to you. He will use resentment and jealousy and envy to take the whip to you. He'll use bitterness and worry and anxiety. He'll use shame, big time, number one tool, to beat you up. If you don't know how to manage your emotions, then he's got far more influence and power than he should have. And you don't want to be manipulated. So you want to learn the skill that we're going to look at today. 1 Peter 5.8 says this, be self-controlled and alert. 
Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. If you don't have self-control, if you don't have both elements working together, integration, mind, and emotion, if you don't have that, he's going to eat you for lunch. The stoic is just as much at risk because the stoic is just as much having himself controlled by emotion by focusing on not having them. Here's another reason you want to manage your emotions is because I want to please God. I want to know just that my feelings are unreliable and I don't want to be manipulated. I don't want to be manipulated by other people. I don't want to be manipulated by my old nature or by the enemy. I also want to just please God. And how can God be God in my life if emotions are God in my life? If I have to feel my way into things. How can you carry out roles in your life on an emotional basis? It will crash because you're, you're not going to feel good about your roles often. Romans 8, 6 to 8 says, to be controlled by human nature results in death. To be controlled by the spirit results in life and peace. Those who obey their human nature cannot please God. If your emotions dominate your life, they're running your life, and your decisions are made based on how do I feel rather than what does God say. Number four, why you should manage your emotions is because I want to succeed in life. This is the number one predictor of success or failure. Do you know how to manage your moods? Do you know how to deal with how you feel? Do you know how to control your emotions? If you don't learn how to do this, you will never be the success in life that God has designed for you. Study after study has proven, like I've said already, your EQ is more important than your IQ. Yet we put a lot of emphasis into IQ, even in our own development, and not into EQ. Think of a parent all of a sudden understood the number one thing that's the most important for their child is the development of their EQ, not their IQ. So how are they going to manage you know, great emotions? How are they going to manage intense emotions? How are they going to manage negative emotions? What are they going to do with anger in their life? Imagine if the parent was living out, modeling, and nurturing the EQ and the IQ they understood was really important. It's going to come along with education and be developed and all of that. But it's not getting the most out of the IQ that's going to be the success that, you're, that will lead your children to success. It is their EQ and that development. You can have great smarts, but you're frozen because you can't deal with your emotions. when you've got good smarts in dealing with how you feel. You can learn how to get along with others. You can deal with difficult situations. You can always be in a place where you can be building out of difficult times. We've all known people who have lived by their emotions and then their life ends up being wasted and often we see because it was emotions what took over. What do I feel like doing today? So they're not doing too much because the day doesn't have enough good feeling. That is just setting you up for some of the worst traumas that you'll build in life.
Proverbs 5, 23. It says, people get lost and die because of their foolishness and lack of self-control. He's saying this even brings about tragedies, great tragedies. How many people have ruined their lives just from that lack of self-control? They've ruined a great opportunity in a job or, or in a profession, or, or they've ruined great relationships and the opportunities that they hold, all because of their feelings leading the way. You know, when you give your heart to Christ, that includes your emotions. So when you say, I gave my heart to Jesus, your emotions are being given to him to be managed by him. Now you've got something that you can actually bring into your life as a great management tool. The heart is the seat of your emotions. So Jesus wants to be Lord of how you feel, not just of what you think. But we want to be Lord of what we feel. We like feelings so much that we want to be Lord of creating those feelings. And in fact, we hate bad feelings so much. We want to be Lord of creating new feelings or ignoring those feelings and not processing those feelings. What is God's role in that? Where is his role in that in our life? First Peter 4.2 says, from now on you must live the rest of your earthly lives controlled by God's will and not by human desires. Human desires, your emotions, your affections, the way you feel. So what I want to do is finish off with giving you quickly some things about how to manage. I'm going to talk specifically about unwanted feelings. How do you manage an unwanted feeling? Well, there's three things we're going to look at. And the first is, you name it. The first thing you have to do in dealing with an emotion is to name it. You must name it. Now, what does that mean? I, I've really got to identify it. I've got to be specific. I've got to, I've got to get to the pinpoint on this thing. You can't manage a vague feeling. You can only change and control and manage something that you have identified. When you start to see patterns in your life where the emotion is leading the charge and it's causing a lot of damage in your life, you want to start with name this thing. What is it? Now, always be below the surface is going to be some things to these patterns when it's over habitually going on in your life. What is there? Who hurt you? It's not that it's put all on somebody else, but you must acknowledge the reality of the processing necessary for the emotion. When you live in a high challenge profession where you have to deal with a lot of tragedies around you, they always have debriefs. A big part of that debrief is just identifying clearly the specific emotion. And why is that necessary? Because you can't process a vague feeling. And vague feelings don't go away. And they can become source of patterns in our life. How's your EQ? You're not as good 
or as, as in touch with your emotions as you probably think you are. We all think we're very much in touch with our emotions, but really, we're not really. Sometimes it takes a long time for us to really settle in and figure out, oh man, I didn't realize how strong that was. You may be very emotional and still not be in touch with your true emotions and why you feel the way you feel. What is it that's really rooted in this thing? People go through different types of marriage problems. They go to counseling. It's a great thing. It's a good thing. This one fella... He go into counseling and one of the questions the counselor asked was, how in touch with your emotions are you? How are you in touch with your feelings? How do you think you are? And this guy responded, I think I'm very much in touch. I'm what you call a sensitive guy, a sensitive man. The counselor said, great. Tell me some of the emotions you felt last week. After that pause... He couldn't name anything. He said, I was just drawing a blank, this guy. What what emotions did you feel last week? Then the response comes, I was tired and I was hungry. The counselor immediately shoots back and says, those aren't emotions. They're not, they're drives. He thought he was really in touch, but he really wasn't. You know, we laugh at that, but I, I, I have to admit, I'm often confused by my own emotional journey at times. And it takes me sitting down, figuring it out. And what is that attached to? Why am I feeling this way? Why is this building in my life? Why do I feel this peaked in my life? Oh, I'm just tired. No, no, that's a drive. I'm just hungry. No, that's certainly a drive. Look, if you can't name it, you can't change it. David in Psalm 55, 2 says, my thoughts are restless and I'm confused. That's where we are a lot of times with emotions. But emotions are that way. Feelings are quite that way. So we're going to take a look at a few questions. I'm going to give you two questions on this one. These are the first steps to managing your emotions. To become emotionally strong, a higher EQ on this. Ask these two questions. First, what am I really feeling? That's just the first question. What am I really feeling here? Have you ever found that the way that you're feeling, that it wasn't actually the way that you were feeling? I just don't feel like talking. What is the real feeling? I'm frustrated. I'm angry about this. You got to scratch beneath the surface. So what am I really feeling? I'm just feeling a little bit down today. Got some blues. Monday morning blues. A little depressed. You think the problem is depression? No, that's not the problem. You need to ask, what's making me depressed? You got to look deeper. I got criticized over this. Or I just lost this job. Or I feel this disappointment in this relationship. I'm irritated about this unchanging thing. 
What are your triggers? That's your other question. What are your triggers? Because we all have them. This is about EQ. This is about emotional health. You can manage this, but you got to ask the right questions. What am I really feeling? So if I were to ask you to name the emotion that gives you the most trouble in your life, would you be able to name it? Would you be able to say, oh, it's frustration? Would you be able to say what it is? It's sadness. It's just outright anger. I mean, it's anger. If you don't, you're not as much in touch with yourself as you think you are. These emotions just need to trigger things in life. And when the trigger gets pulled, the emotion rises, takes over, and all of a sudden, things are out of control. And if you have a fear and you're afraid to talk about it, well, then it's already out of control. Triggers can be anything in life. They can be. I think I've told you this story with that this goes back you know, a few decades. We're in uh, Maui on a vacation. I have my brother and sister-in-law and Marcel and Lois were along and, uh, and there was this shared bridges on the Hana Highway. Some of you will know what I'm talking about. And there was an older couple ahead of us and there was a construction truck that was making a motion like this. And so they started to go around and then another big truck comes, a gravel truck, and he's coming right through, barreling right through the other side. And he pushes it right to the nines. Scares this, uh, the bejeebies out of this couple. She's driving, she hits reverse. Guess where I am? So she backs up. I'm trying to get out of her way and she's trying to back up and she clips us. I, before I knew it, I was out of that van and after two big Hawaiians. They were having a bad day. Very large men. They could have ate me and spit me out all within a couple minutes. Marcel and Keith did join me after a while. <laughs> Stressing after a while. And the only thing that shut that whole thing down was when my brother asked them who they worked for. That was an emotional response. It was like, it bugged me what they did to that couple. Now, in another frame of mind, if I had had my brain working a little sooner, I might have still got out, but not said something the way maybe I said it. Have you ever been there? Okay, is there anybody here who's never been there? What's the triggers? Recognize it. The second thing you need to do is challenge it. You challenge what you're feeling. You don't just automatically accept what you're feeling. You don't automatically assume that it's accurate. You don't automatically assume that what you feel is the truth, correct, or even in touch with reality. You challenge it. Are things as bad as they really seem? Probably not. Are things as good as they really seem? Probably not. 
So you need to ask yourself some questions here too. You challenge it. David wrote many of the Psalms often ask God to challenge his emotions. That's pretty smart since God understands you better than you do. He says, search me, O God, and, and know my heart. God knows what triggers it. God knows, God knows all about your triggers. He knows what unleashes anger and does damage in the wrong way. He understands that. God, I don't know what I'm feeling. This is, this is how, how you can pray. I don't know where, where it came from, but I need your help. You really do need his help. Psalm 26, 2, Lord, cross-examine me. Test my motives and my affections. What are your affections? They're your emotions. Test my motives and my feelings. What I feel, my affections, my emotions. God, help me evaluate it. Sometimes you need a friend to challenge you, a partner. Sometimes it's best to have a friend who can challenge what you're feeling. You gotta have this kind of friend in your life. It's a really good one to have. In Job 15, 12, one friend is talking to Job and he says, why has your heart carried you away and why do your eyes flash? There are times that these kind of friends are totally invaluable. In this case, it didn't work out too good, but the process is right. So ask yourself these three questions. What's the real reason that I'm feeling this? Maybe it's fear, maybe it's worry. Maybe it's hooked up to something from your history. It doesn't really matter. It is important that you start moving down the path of challenging it and not letting it just respond to triggers and do it over and over and over again. Now imagine, you know, Groundhog Day for me with two Hawaiians every time. If I don't learn from that, if I don't change that, if I don't somehow grow in my responses... That just tells me I'm just letting the emotion take control. It needs to be challenged. Why am I really feeling this? What's behind that? It can even be a good motive. Second question is ask, is it true? Is what I'm feeling right now true? There's a point where Elijah in the Bible gets so down, so discouraged, so depressed, and he comes crying to God. He's complaining and he says, God, I'm the only one in the entire nation of Israel left serving you. And God challenges him and says, are you kidding me? I got all these people. I got thousands. You're acting like you're the only one trying to do the right thing in the whole world, Elijah, and it's not true. Third question. Is what I'm feeling helping me or hurting me? This is a good pragmatic approach. Does it get me further down the road? Does it actually change events? Does it make things healthier around me? Or is it hurting me? Is it hurting? Is it creating more unhealth? Does it extend damage deeper? Is what I'm doing and, and how I'm feeling leading me on this, is, is this actually creating the wrong kind of life? Sometimes this is just the simplest thing to changing an emotion by simply saying, is what I'm feeling right now, is it really gonna help me? Or is it actually going to hurt? Is it going to hinder? A lot of feelings we have, we feel natural, but they're actually self-defeating feelings. It, it, it's locked, got you in a box. It's keeping you back from real change. It's, it's keeping the rubber from meeting the road. You're not actually going forward with anything. 
Let me give you an example. Let's say you go in, you sit down in a restaurant and the service is slow. And I mean it's slow. You're waiting and you're waiting. Have you ever had this happen? You're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting to get served. Somebody comes in 15 minutes after you. They sit down, they got their meal before you. Anybody been there? It kind of, kind of can tick you off. You look at your wife. Are you seeing this? Are you watching this? You get a little irritated. You're feeling the emotion welling up inside of you. You go, what's the real reason I'm feeling those emotions? Is I'm just hungry. No, that's a drive. I'm frustrated because the service is too slow here. No, it's deeper. Ask yourself, am I going to get better service by getting angry at this this waitress or waiter? Hey, you. You're down to 8% now. And it's trending down. Sometimes it feels good to get angry like that. You may feel better, but you just got worse service. People in the professional police or forces are largely trained to lower their voice as intensities go up around them. Now what do we tend to do? Raise our voice. So our voice goes up, but we know that by lowering the voice, you're actually lowering the intensity of the exchanges. So you have to ask yourself, is this emotion actually getting me where I want to go? Does nagging work? Has it ever worked? Oh, you might have got something going, but you did more damage trying to get the wheel turning than if you had taken on something else. And asked yourself this question, will it really make things better? It's called managing your emotions. You gotta name it. Here's what I'm feeling, here's the trigger. You gotta challenge it. And then you gotta ask, is it true? Is it helping me or hurting me? And then finally, once you get that information downloaded and you know what emotion you're dealing with and you know it's not helping you, let's say in this case, and you know right now that you need to challenge it, then you're left with this. Now let's tame it. Let's just tame it. Let's change it. You've got to change it. You got to make the change in the emotions that you want to make when you have that unwanted emotion. Last week was about managing your mind. This week it's about managing your heart. And if you want to succeed in life, you have to learn how to master your moods. And when you have a mood, when you have emotion that isn't getting you where you want to go, you've got two options. You can either change it or channel it. The first thing you can do is just change what you're feeling. Some emotions are so destructive, so damaging, so hurtful, so non-effective. The other thing you can do is, is it, the only thing you can do is actually to change it. You've got to change what you're feeling. 
Philippians 2.5 says your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. So your attitude, that includes your emotions, what you're feeling, should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. So ask yourself, how would Jesus feel in this situation? How would Jesus get irritated with this waitress? How would Jesus be, would Jesus be yelling at this person? Would Jesus be getting up, wringing his hands and worrying that it all isn't gonna work out? Would Jesus be fearful? Would Jesus be worried? You gotta ask yourself some of these change type oriented questions. So the bottom line on this one is I instantly dismiss any feeling that doesn't make me more like Jesus. So I'm feeling an emotion I've identified. Would Jesus have this emotion? You'd say no. Then that's not the way I should be responding to my wife right now. Everything in me wants to. And then sometimes you need to channel your emotion, what you're feeling. Channel is different. Sometimes you can even take a negative emotion that you're feeling and rather than change it, you channel it. So let's say you've been a victim of injustice. You've experienced prejudice or you've experienced some harsh things in growing up or whatever. You can take that anger. You can take those emotions and drive them down good paths. You can go accomplish good things with that. Scott, one of the things I really like about your testimony with your son going through cancer is that you took that and channeled it. You channeled it towards helping other kids and families going through cancer. You and your wife have done an amazing job in that area. Yeah, with God's help and God's direction, that's exactly right. See, this is, this is the taking what is meant to destroy and letting it be turned into something good. So you take a negative emotion like anger and you use it. You, you, you use it for good. Or you can do this. When you use your anger for your benefit, that's selfish anger. When you're going to use it for your benefit, that's a sin. But when you use your anger for the benefit of others, that's righteous anger. This happened to me and I, I want to support and help those that are going to have to go through this stuff too. Anger is not a sin. Be angry and sin not. It's what you do with the anger. It's the reason you're angry. And that, that makes it a sin or not. You can get angry if somebody hurt my wife and kids. I get angry. My wife and my, my kid or my grandkids, I, I get very angry. Anger is sometimes evidence of love. If you don't get angry, sometimes that's evidence of apathetic. When you love, you are going to get angry. One of the worst conditions any relationship gets to is where you don't get angry over the things that you should be angry about, but you should be angry about it in the appropriate way. The only reason you get angry is because God gets angry. That's why you have the ability. See, God gets angry at evil. He gets angry at sin. He gets angry at when women are raped. He gets angry when children are molested. He gets angry when people are going without food. He gets angry. He gets angry. There's all kinds of things in life that are going to come your way. The emotional journey of that, the EQ, 
is what is needed for the processing so that we are changing or channeling this emotion in ways that is actually good for outcomes. Let me give you a few things in closing. Every day, ask God to fill me with his spirit. Just, you need God's help. The emotional uh, way that you're packaging your life right now, the EQ being as broken as it is, tells you that you need God's help. Because if you could have fixed it just without him, you would have done it. You can be moving over to stoicism and think somehow, you know, you're in more control. You're not in more control. The emotion's controlling you. You're disconnected from the reality of many events. You're not experiencing or living in full reality. If you're in emotionalism, you are not in touch again with the full reality of events. What you want to do is have a process that both of these things come together and God is a part of that process in your faith life. See, the kind of fruit the Spirit produces, I'm just going to give you three, but is love, joy, peace. There's nine of them. You recognize them. Imagine having those three in abundance and growing. And that's what you're looking at in every exchange. And you're using every time these things to try and drive the bigger things, the good things in your life. The other thing you do is Help, call on God to help you manage your mouth. Oh man, the tongue. The tongue, he said, is, is just like a fire. It, it just lights everything up. James, he says it's, it's unbelievable how the tongue can absolutely just inflame any and every circumstance and situation. It doesn't mean you're loud. You might be very cutting, but quiet with your tongue. You might, it, it's not, it's not, Loud or soft, it is the words, it's the spirit, it's the attitude, it's that that flame. It's meant to inflame. This is where you have to really be in touch with it. Psalm 119, 11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 19, 14 says, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Oh Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart. Notice the connection between your heart and your mouth. What's inside your heart is going to come out of your mouth. Jesus said it's not what goes in you that makes you unclean. It's what is actually comes out of you that makes you unclean. My heart is revealed in my words. So, so some of you, what you need to say is, God, I need a heart transplant. I've got a bitter heart. I've got a worried heart. I've got an angry heart. I've got a lonely heart. I've got a prideful heart. I've got an arrogant heart. I've got a jealous heart. I've got an envious heart. I've got an impatient heart. God, I need a new heart. Your relationship might need a new heart. Your life certainly would. So that the EQ is setting you up for the best of life. Now, there's a story in 1 Samuel 25 that I want to just refer to. And look at two scriptures. David, King David, about to become, he is not yet king, and 
The king Saul is chasing him down, hunting him down. He's on the run. He's hiding in caves. There's about 600 men with him, and he's in one area of a wilderness area. And for that whole season, he's guarding kind of the whole area and he, and for the farmers and the sheep, the sheep owners. And, and there was this one sheep owner who had thousands of sheep. He had all kinds of goats. He had very wealthy men. And they guarded it. They circled so that the raiders that would come from the deserts would not come and raid and take their, their bounty. And so then came the sheep shearing time where they would shear the sheep, they would butcher some sheep, and there'd be like a big banquet or party. So David sends a couple of his men to take the message to Nabal, who was the owner of this particular big sheep ranch. And he said, hey, you know that we kept your sheep safe all of this time, your herders were kept safe, we kept the raiders out. Um, hey, send us some stuff to have a banquet with. Nabal, whose name means fool, said, no way. Who is this guy? Yeah, there's lots of wanderers around. The two messengers went back to David and reported how Nabal had treated them and his request, David's personal request. David said, can you believe that I just spent months guarding this guy's interests and he treats me this way so he says mount up boys let's go clean this up he's angry very angry he gets on and he's about to wipe out Nabal and anybody connected to Nabal in this particular journey when he is on the way what has happened back at Nabal's camp is pretty interesting. The servant that witnessed what Nabal did to this request shared it with Nabal's wife, Abigail, who was, it says, she was good looking and really an intelligent, wise person. So what she does quickly, is says, quick, put together this. And they put together some dressed out sheep. They get a bunch of uh, fig cakes and all kinds of stuff. She starts and she hits the road because she knows David is going to be coming. She comes over the rise, it says, on one particular ravine and David's coming over the opposite side of the rise. And she gets down quickly and bows down. And then she begins to speak to David. A long thing. It's worth reading. Read the story. It's a fantastic story. So the story goes like this. As she's saying, oh man, don't pay attention to uh, this guy Nabal. His name means fool. And he's acted that way. And what he's done is totally wrong. And then she goes and says, but you, you are going to be a prince of God. You are going to be king. We all know that. We know God's hand upon you. And we love what we see because we know you're going to build a good society. You're going to be a great ruler. And we understand that. And, and, and we know you got a great future with this. And then it comes to this part where she challenges David's personal anger. In verse 30, she says, when God completes all the goodness he has promised my master, 
and set you up as prince over Israel, my master will not have this dead weight in his heart, the guilt of an avenging murder. She says, don't go murder this guy. Don't take it out of God's hands. Because if you do, you're going to have this dead weight in your heart when you reach the high positions that God has deemed for you. Why would you carry the weight of this kind of avenging, avenging murder? Powerful. David's response, I'll just read. And David said, blessed be God, the God of Israel. He sent you to meet me. And blessed be your good sense. Bless you for keeping me from murder and taking charge, take note of this phrase, and taking charge of looking out for me. Whenever we let emotion go unchallenged, unchecked, whenever we're not growing our EQs in a healthy way, then we are making it all about us. We act that way because we want to. And we need to live a little differently. David is identifying and saying, I'm so glad God sent you. I'm so glad for your good sense. Bless you for keeping me from what I was about to do. And then I would have been taking charge of looking out for me. Here's how the story ends. He sends her home in peace. He goes back with the gifts that she brought. They have their their party. She doesn't tell her husband what she did that night because he's, he's drunk and he's having a great big banquet and party, but she tells him the next morning when she t- tells him the whole story, he has a heart attack. It's a fun story. He lasts a week and then it says, then God finished him off. And then David invited Abigail to be his wife. Oh, isn't this just perfect? It's when calls the heart perfect. There you go. <laughs> if you want to take charge of your life and be in charge of all of your avenging, if you want to let the emotions rule, destroying your roles and the influence that could be and taking away the potentials and beauty, that is your choice. Or you can grow your EQ. You can deepen your faith. You can clean up your life. You can lean in on God. It can be different. Would you stand with me, please? Father, as we close this particular teach, I pray that our hearts, and so often, you know, my heart's being exposed, all of our hearts are being exposed, and we see things that we say, oh, Lord, that was nothing but self-interest. That was nothing but me not challenging. Lord, where we see our roles that are just disintegrating because, Father, we just want to avenge. We want to go with the heat of the moment. We want to go with the passion of the day or the passion of that moment. God, I pray that you will show us the beauty of our minds and our hearts functioning together in faith, looking to your word to direct us for right actions set the objectives for our roles, to be nurturers, caregivers, challengers, uplifters. God, I pray that you would challenge every husband in this place, every wife in this place. You would challenge every parent in this place to take their roles and let them be subject to an EQ that is asking the right questions, 
processing in good ways. And they're doing that because of their faith in you. Father, I pray that you'd really grow us where we need to in this area. In Christ's name we pray. And all God's people said... Thank you for listening to our program. If you find this broadcast to be helpful, please let us know. You can call us at 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com.